0: Life Podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. God has really blessed us with worship and the people sharing prayer and testimony. Um, just a beautiful service, Palm Sunday, and I just appreciate that. One of the things on the sermon I'm talking about, the elders are doing a series out of First Timothy on the first Sunday of the month, and each of us are preaching. One of the things about this sermon is the scripture that I'm going over does not mention God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Does not mention any theological things like grace and and redemption and salvation. Uh, it doesn't mention anything about you know the fruits of the spirit: love, joy, peace. It's all just real practical stuff. And I thought, how do I tie it into what the worship we just have with this? Well, when Jamie was singing, how beautiful is the body of Christ? And that's a wonderful big picture. But to make that happen, there's some nitty gritty that we have to work on. And that's what we're going to cover today. So that's the tie between Palm Sunday and the, that wonderful time of worship and communion. Um, I was thinking, I'm going to try not to use names today, but you guys might know who they are. I was thinking of the nitty-gritty story I heard about a certain gentleman in this, and this is just off the top of my head. They had a John Deere combine he needed to sell. And to make it beautiful, he hand-waxed the whole thing. Now, so to make this body a beautiful thing, we're going to get down into the hand waxing, the uh, uh, fixing the engine, um, changing the oil. You know, you might see this beautiful car, but if you don't change the oil, you might have trouble. Um, So today we are in 1 Timothy chapter 5. And we are going to be verse 17 to the end of the chapter. Um, and Jonas back there is going to be running the slides for me because I'm not, I'm a man. I can't preach and read up here and run my computer. And Well, Mike can, Mike, sorry. He's talented and he's done it a lot. I'm not very talented. So we're going to be in First Timothy 15, 17 to 25. Um, and today I want you to take away from here that just biblical eldership details matter. Church leadership, the details matter. And there's some things in the Bible that we are given details, and this happens to be one of them, and we'll be going over it. Um, Like I said, this, uh, this sermon is about church leadership. So Wednesday night we're having a Passover meal. We'll have tables set up here. It's by Rock of Israel Ministries, which is a ministry that our church supports. And in his newsletter, he had a joke about church leadership. Uh, This is, you know, so they're strongly trying to evangelize Jewish people, this ministry, Rock of Israel. So here's their month, uh, this month's Jewish humor. A pastor, a priest, And a rabbi were all asked, When you are in your casket and your friends, family, and congregants are mourning over you, what would you like to hear them say? The pastor said, I would like to hear them say that I was a wonderful husband, a fine spiritual leader, which we're going to be talking about today, and a great family man. The priest said, I would like to hear him say I was a wonderful teacher a servant of God who made a huge difference in people's lives. The rabbi replied, I would like to hear them say, look, he's moving. <laughs> Church leadership. Um, so, like I said, we are we, this is not a, a, a theological or message, um, but it's about church leadership and the church body. So today we are going to use an acrostic, which is on the back of your bulletin if you want to follow or write things down, an acrostic outline, and look at eight standards given in this scripture about church organization. And you don't have to write them all down now. They're up there, but we'll come back to them. So don't even begin to write yet. Um, But it's the word elders with an A. We're looking at the standards for an A-plus elder. Standards for an A-plus elder. Um, So let's read the verses here. Chapter 5, verse 17 of 1 Timothy. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusi- accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. Those, those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that the others may, be, may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and doing nothing out of favoritism. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach for your frequent illnesses. The sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious and even those that that are not cannot be hidden. So the first Word for this morning with the E is earnings. And elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy double honor, especially those who do the work of preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. From this verse, verse verses, we get several uh, principles of elders. Um, Elders are leaders in the church. some of the elders then have the responsibility to preach, and if you're new here today or visiting today, Mike over here normally is our preacher, but the first Sunday of the month, all the elders are rotating, which would be Alan is up here sometimes, and Jerry I lost. Oh, there's Jerry. He's not in the back booth like usual, um, so, but Mike does a fine job week in and week out. The rest of us, we get up here and do the best we can. Um... So, the elders are the leaders, the elders preach and teach. Uh, there's other responsibilities for the elders in that, okay, the ones that preach and teach are, are due earnings or a pay, but there might be others that are not. And this other three elders are not paid positions in this church. Um, we all have jobs and support ourselves um, in that way, but Mike obviously puts in a lot more time and effort than we do because of that. Um, and remuneration to the teaching elder is a tangible way to show honor. The leadership of the church should be honored and respected. Um, The quotation from the Old Testament, when it says the scripture says, shows a divine sanction of this principle. And Paul uses this same verse to tell the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians that he is worthy to be paid it's okay to pay a church leader and we should pay church leaders and he uses the same verse about the oxen and stuff. Um, So the, the oxen teaches us that when someone puts time and energy into something for our benefit they should be have remuneration, they should be paid. The oxen is putting time and energy towards the farmer to walk through the grain and, and separate the stalks and the chaff and the grain. And he's also free to eat all he wants as he's doing that. That's the illustration, the principle. Um, so I have a cow, and Becky said it looks skinny. So I did some work on what's, how do you know if you're feeding a cow enough? So I brought a picture of a cow, and I, I didn't doctor it up at all. I don't know how much you can see, but four stomachs in a cow, And they told me that you have to look on the left side, and you see that red circle in the picture. It's kind of an upside-down triangle area there. If that's sunken in, that's his fourth stomach, and that means he's hungry. Now, you might see bones other places or the other side or whatever, but if if you want to see a cow's if he's hungry, you need to look at the left side and look in that area for this sunken triangle. Um, so what does that mean? You can go back to the other slide now, the slide before it. Um, What that means is, when you remember that picture of the cow, remember we don't want Mike to have a sunken stomach because we don't pay him enough. He's, uh, you don't have four. Um, We should be paying, and we do as a church, if you want information like in detail, like the budget and all of that stuff and what we pay, uh, we can get you that. But it is... It is the duty of the church to pay the person. Um, now, it's kind of, some of these things are kind of personal. Okay, elders, you need to be doing this and this. There's four elders in that church, kind of mean, or in this church, it mean, kind of means the rest of you could go home, because it's all talking about elders. But I'm going to try to bring in, so in this part of earnings, the E of elder, we all need to be tithing. A church should have good tithers that can pay their bills and support their preaching elder. The, the, and that's exactly what this verse says. Um, elders who direct the affairs um, of the church are well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work at preaching and teaching. So, elders' first principle about first standard is elders should be paid. Uh, the second standard with the L lies or truth. The second standard, the church and elders must discern whether statements made against elders or people in ministry position are lies or truth. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. Um, In Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament again, the Jews were given the same type of law when it said, one witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense that they may have committed. The matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And things happen in church. Sometimes the elder deserves what's being said about him, and it's true. And we'll talk about that in the next verse. But in this verse, it's saying, Protect the elders and any position in the church or anybody in ministry by carefully discerning what's said about them or when people have complaints or concerns, we need to be very, very, very careful about that. Um, And there's more verses in the Old Testament that talk about it, but here's the application of this, lies or truth. Christians in all relationships should protect others carefully by checking the truthfulness of what they hear. This is a great illustration why to stay away from social media. It would take forever to fact-check all the statements made by people. We gotta really be careful in our world that anybody can make a statement and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people could read it and is it really true? Same thing in the church. When somebody says, I saw so-and-so doing this, saying this, at this place, we got to make sure that it's the truth, and we've got to be very careful to investigate it. And that's the warning here. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. So if you have a concern about an elder, we don't want you to stay away. We want you to bring it but let's together figure out what the truth of the story is. If any of you guys ever text somebody and when the person got back with you, you realized they took it totally different than what you meant, and it's just how you worded it and, and the situation? That happens in life, too. Somebody may come and say, I have this concern about this person. I, Well, when you get the whole story, the whole situation, it makes sense, and it was not... A, a sin or a problem with the elder so L is for lies um, the next letter is D is for disciplines the third standard of an elder is that it, an elder that sins must be confronted and disciplined but those elders who are sinning but those elders who are sinning you are to reprove before everyone so that others may take a warning Um, if the accusations against an elder are found to be true, the situation needs to be dealt with. It is very important to notice in verse 20 that that word sin um, is written in such a way that it indicates a continuing action, something that happens continuously or repeatedly, or something that is in the process of happening. Because none of us are perfect. Let's get that out there for everybody. None of us are perfect. We discussed this in our class, Sunday school class today. Uh, So it's not a matter of did did an elder or someone else in the church wrong me? They may well have. It might have been something they did wrong, and we need to forgive and take care of that. But that's different than an elder going on continually sinning and saying, I'm not doing anything wrong, and oh, wait a second, we're seeing this, and that's the kind of situation they're talking about that one that continually sins, we need to reprove and, and discipline. Um, we're to, there to be reproved before the body of Christ, before the church. The facts and circumstances should be publicly explained so the air is clear. It should be kept within the body and not taken to social media or the general public when there is a problem in the church. And the innocent parties in the matter should be protected. Sometimes there's, there's people that were innocent in the situation and we need to protect them. So when there's a problem in the church, it's difficult for us elders to handle. How do we discipline the person that needs it? Are they asking forgiveness? Are they repentant? Or are they obstinate saying, I didn't do anything? All of that makes a difference. But um, there, is, there is discipline that needs to be done. We have all heard of many accounts of pastors and church leaders who have continued in some grievous sinful situation. This is a very sad part of church life, but it is also part of the sinful fallen world we're in. So at times, there needs to be discipline with elders and other people of the church. Uh, The next letter, E. um, Evenness. That's the best I could come up with for an E. Evenness. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and do nothing out of favoritism. Um, The words I charge you show the seriousness of what Paul's saying. I charge you and the elders are to treat people without favoritism or partiality. Another verse that kind of gives us an illustration of this. James says, My brothers and sisters, believers in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. And a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, Here's a good seat for you. But say to the poor man, Stand back there, or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? We as elders and the whole church body need to look at people and not show favoritism um, and not show uh, or be impartial in how we treat people. And to be honest with you, sometimes that's hard. We, We judge people. We look at them and, "Eh, well, you know. But the Bible is warning us that we ought to be impartial and not show favoritism in uh, the way we treat people. When we have visitors come in our church, it shouldn't matter at all how they're dressed. That's exactly what James is saying. We greet them, we welcome them, we want them to be a part of our church body. Um, So... Now, we've looked at four standards earnings, lies, or truth, discipline, evenness. Now we're moving on to R. R is responsible appointments. Elders, the fifth standard is elders must be responsible and careful about the appointment of people to positions in the church. And here's what the verse says do not be hasty in laying on of hands, and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. So, we're not to appoint an elder too quickly. That's what the laying on of hands refers to. Um, And we need to be careful. It is hard to judge the character of another person. How many times has somebody gotten into a position and you've heard about how they failed? I mean, it is hard to judge the character and the, the qualities a person needs to be an elder or to be anything that we, any ministry, any service of the church. Um, But that's what this verse is saying, is be careful, do not lay hands on, and do not share in their sins. Um, I'm trying to keep moving here to get this all covered. Um, So, the elders, we need to find someone in positions, and even as elders... um, we need to make sure that they're gifted and mature enough spiritually for the position. And that is a difficult thing to do. And this verse says, do not be hasty on the laying on of hands. Do not share in the sins of others. As church leadership, if we, if, if we have somebody and they... Are one of one that sins or falls, and they need church discipline. Part of that responsibility is us. That's what I believe this verse is saying: Do not share in the sins of others. Maybe we were not careful enough, and maybe we laid hands on too hastily. Um, this verse is telling: Be very careful about positions and people in the church and and what you uh, who you appoint. Okay, the next one: S. Uh, this standard. And this verse kind of jumps in the middle, but the the standard number six for elders is elders should take care of the strength and condition of their physical body. Um, He says, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Um, After saying be pure in verse 22, Paul wants to make sure Timothy is not saying, hey, don't drink wine. Um, I believe... That the wine is wine, and some people say it was only grape juice. Whatever, Paul is saying something that be careful about how your how your physical body is doing. He's telling to telling Timothy to take time and energy to take care of yourself. Take time and so I got a challenge for Jerry, Alan, and Mike. Five thirty tomorrow morning. We're meeting at Planet Fitness. We're gonna we're gonna take take this to heart. No, you ready, guys? Um, but there is an important part of all believers, this, I believe everybody in here needs to be doing some sort of service ministry, whether officially in the church or with your neighbors or at your work, you have people you are ministering to, serving, working with. And a part of that is your physical health. I mean, uh, if you have a disease, a cancer, and you're in bed, you can't move, you can't get out of bed, it really limits the service you can have. You can still pray, you can still talk with people, but so, Paul is telling Timothy, you got got an important job as an elder, a part of that is, take care of your body. Go ahead and drink a little wine for your stomach, whatever the stomach problem he was having, and uh, be thinking about how you're feeling, and... We need to take care of this. Um, our world takes this concept and puts it into, you know, a you know, buff body, I look good, da-da-da-da-da. I'm not saying that. The concept of taking care of your body is good, but it's not for the purpose of looking good. It's for the purpose of serving God. You don't have to look good to serve God, but you have to have... A body you can use and do that. So that's what I get from these verses that he's talking to Timothy about his his strength and his his body. And and we have some people in here that are really serious about this. We have one person that a week or two ago went to the taping of Ninja Warrior as a Ninja Warrior. Um, another guy I talked to, he said, "Oh, I don't I don't squat very much. I only do four hundred pounds." Uh, <laughs> Um, and I know there's a person in here that does go to the gym in the mornings fairly regularly, Um, so we have people like that, but it doesn't take all that. It just takes taking care of yourself. Do a little bit, a little bit of, uh, you know, they, they say cardio, stretching, and strength building. Those are the three pillars of your physical body, and we all need to be doing enough in those. I don't know what enough is for you. You got to decide that. I'm not going to tell you. But they even say 10 minutes, from nothing to 10 minutes, gives you huge benefits. Just 10 minutes. But uh, so, this point he's saying take the strength, is your physical body. So, to recap, we've covered earnings, lies, discipline, evenness, responsibility, strength. And the last standard, um, number seven, is the action or character of people. Um, actions, good and bad, uh, can be difficult for an elder to discern. Verse 24 says, The sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden forever. Um it might be easier to read this if we would take out the the verse about um, the the physical body, and it 's kind of like I think Paul must have thought in his head, "Oh yeah, by the way, while i 'm thinking of this i 've got to tell Timothy to drink a little wine, so he stuck that verse in here, then he comes back to his main subject of judging the character of of people um, The sins of some are obvious. These verses point out again that the judgment of character by watching actions can be tricky. Obvious sins are seen and known by others, and God will judge them. Some sins and wrong behavior are not so obvious. Um, But it also says in here that the good deeds are obvious, and even the hidden ones come to light. One of the things I want you to remember from this verse is, When you're doing something good, you're ministering or you're helping someone, you're trying to be kind to them, and they badmouth you to somebody else, don't worry about it. Good will come to light. Good will always come to light. That person may never get it right, but other people around, when they hear this criticism of you, they'll say, wait, that doesn't follow what I know of this person. Good always comes to light. Don't fight it when somebody criticizes you uh, and, and they're, they're not right about it. They're being vindictive or something. Just let it go. The good will always come to light. If you have a right attitude, you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart, that will be shown to other people, and uh, you'll be vindicated from what they say. So the deeds of the good are quite evident. So if you're doing good, just stay at it. And this verse shows the complexity again of of selecting elders. How do we get it right every time? He's going to be an elder, he's going to be an elder, he's going to be... How do we know which one? And you know what? We don't. Sometimes we might make a mistake. Uh, Think about Jesus and the disciples. Jesus didn't get them all right. Right? He had one bad apple. If you remember the play we did last year at Easter with everybody up here, we had a Judas up here. And uh, so, none of us are perfect. It's not going to always uh, uh, come out the way we want. Um, some some sins are obvious, and some aren't. And we try to do the best we can in picking people for elders and choosing people for other positions of the church. Um, so, Conclusion here. Things for people in general. Um, be a tithing member of the church. Don't listen to unfound criticism about anybody. If somebody criticizes somebody, make sure it's right before you even give it a the time of day. And take care of our physical bodies so we can serve and minister for the Lord. And... For us elders, pray for us when we deal with people that we show that evenness, no favoritism, being impartial about things. We need to do that way, be that way when we're working with people. And pray for us to be responsible when we're talking about the organization of the church. Who do we think would be good? And this is like anything, like uh, who would be a good nursery director? You know, we got to appoint those kind of people or that's just an example. Um, we need prayer for people that we are looking for or choosing or putting into positions. So, um, like I said at the beginning, this is Palm Sunday, and as a body of Christ, we have these standards for A-plus elders. It's the nitty-gritty detail of how we're supposed to work as a church. But as we get this right, the beauty of the body of Christ Begins to be seen Have you ever been in a church where they've messed up some of these? The pastors kind of Rip the church apart by demanding This or that And and the beauty of Christ's body just falls all apart So Take whatever the Lord is Laying on your heart, what part do you have In this? How can you make The nitty gritty details of the church Work so that we are a Beautiful body of Christ Let's pray